You're listening to the TFA Series Podcast. Your host today is C. Richard Archie, West Tennessee Director of the Tennessee Firearms Association. All right, folks, here today I have Chris Todd, who is my representative from the district that I live in in Tennessee. What are your committee assignments? I'm the chair of the finance, excuse me, chair of Ag Subcommittee, and I'm on Ag Full Committee. I'm also on finance and transportation. That's a pretty heady group of stuff right there. That tends to deal with a lot of money, doesn't it? A lot, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Every Speaking dime. of highway, I don't know whether you've been down 412 from here back to town as of late, but it could use some attention down yeah, there. It'll yeah. beat your left tooth out of your head. All the way to Dyersburg. Yeah. There's problems all along there. I've had to make that trip a bunch here in the dump truck uh, uh, lately, so oh, I know. My. Yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. Folks, we're here today. I'm going to interview him, and then we're going to allow the rest of the folks to hear what he's got to say. This is going to be a normal thing for us at TFA. We're going to start doing these interviews. A few of you have seen the podcast that we put up, but hopefully we'll get an opportunity to bring our representatives and some of our senators in front of our membership so that they can have an opportunity to hear what these folks have to say. I'm going to start it off this or this afternoon by asking Chris a question with respect to what he portends to see happening in the General Assembly next year with respect to the Second Amendment. I wanted to make this comment that he carried a bill last year that would have removed the criminal aspect of carrying a firearm in the state of Tennessee. If I'm not incorrect in my remembrance of this, this went through Judiciary Subcommittee and full Judiciary Committee, and it got taken off notice in finance. Is that a correct statement? That is correct, and it was a basically a strategic timing to take that off notice. Uh, as you remember, the governor had his proposed bill that was going through that was quoted as uh, or referred to as his Second Amendment Restoration of Rights, more or less, so uh, constitutional carry bill, which, you know, trickly it's not, but it, it got us a lot. You know, it was a significant step. The biggest thing that you and I had talked about at that time and that I recognized that it did is it had money tied to it. So in his budget, in his proposed budget to us that we ended up passing, it had funding that would cover any projected or predicted loss in the Department of Safety from their revenue if folks quit buying permits. Well, you and I both know that's not going to happen. Once people start getting comfortable carrying at home, they're going to want to carry in other states, and that reciprocity is going to cause them to keep a permit. So anyway, he had the money in there to cover that, which has always been an obstacle. Anytime somebody brings something that would give folks their constitutional rights back to carry a firearm, that's always an obstacle to say, what's it going to cost the state in revenue we're already getting? What's going to be missing from that? So I took it off notice so that that bill could pass have the money attached to the budget, and then anytime I bring this back up, which I can do in January, put it back on notice, run it through finance, I want to work that ahead of time with our fiscal review people because I want to point out to them it's already covered. This should have a zero fiscal note. Now, this is theoretical, and I hadn't worked through that yet, but that's what my, my understanding. It should have a zero fiscal note because of the budget we passed. So if that happens, then it's out of finance. It goes right on through. There's nothing to hold it, hold it back from passing and go into the House floor. Um, I don't remember what happened on the Senate side. It may be waiting for us to get a little further in the House side uh, before it moves in the Senate, but uh, that's probably going to be our biggest obstacles, what what might happen in the Senate. I'm going to jump ahead on one of the things that I was going to talk about later on, but it seems to me 
that we have good legislators and good legislation on the House side, but a lot of times it tends to get balled up in the Senate. We're going to speak about that a little later on after we talk maybe about the special session shortly, but we have trouble getting sponsors in the Senate for issues that we have no trouble getting sponsored for in the House, and I think that that is necessary for the general population out here, and more especially TFA members to understand. Getting sponsorship out of people who actually have some weight within their respective houses is a big deal if you want to get a bill passed. Really, it's critical. I mean, you can't you know, can't pass it in the House and get anywhere if you don't have it going in the Senate. That's correct. Normally, the response that I've always gotten from the chairman of Senate committees who are responsible for the bills that we tend to pay attention to, they say, well, we haven't seen the movement in the House, and we don't ever act on anything until it's acted on the House. Though I will say that last year with the governor's Second Amendment restorative bill, it seemed to move in the Senate quicker than mm-hmm. it did in the House. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes that's true and sometimes it's not. We'll let the listener make their own mind up to how that goes. Uh, and, and you mentioned finance a while ago. Being as you don't think it would have a fiscal note, that is one of the tools that has been used in the past to make sure that we didn't get good Second Amendment issues passed as they come in and say, oh, it's going to cost us so much money. If we do constitutional carry, the Department of Safety will lose all of this. That's been a tool that has been used against us. So hopefully with different people in finance, uh, I can remember a certain individual that sat on the committee chair for that for a long time who never let a Second Amendment bill come out. Uh, he's no longer there. God rest his soul. Hopefully we have a better day. And more to the point that you made, this shouldn't have a fiscal note coming out. It ought to be zero. I'm going to be interested to see what happens if, in fact, you decide to go ahead and put this back on notice and move forward with it in the next session. It'll be interesting to watch, but I'll, you know I'll keep you posted. Another thing, TFA is going to be very interested this year. You were the sponsor of civil immunity last year mm-hmm. that we got passed, and, and we've been trying to get this done for the last 15 years. I've been trying to carry this bill for a long time. And I'm very grateful for your efforts on this. It, it made a difference that we had a sponsor who was interested in it. We've had a couple of sponsors in the past who, one of the things people need to understand, the best person to kill a bill is the sponsor. Mm-hmm. If a person picks it up and he wants to kind of like a pocket veto of a governor, he can hide it over here in his left pocket and just make sure it doesn't come up for conversation. On the other hand, you were instrumental in getting us to a meeting early on where we talked about the actual machinations of the bill. Judge Carter, bless his heart, I'm so going to miss him. But we sat down in his office and let him help us put this together prior to the session, and and that was instrumental in getting Mm -hmm. this done. But it also showed that you were interested in the actual issue itself. We were able to get that forward, and we got this passed. You passed it the year before, but the Senate shut the sessions down, didn't get a chance to be heard in the Senate. And so we brought it back up this year, and we got it across the finish line, and the governor signed it, and now civil immunity is law in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. That being said, we're interested in making sure that we take the other side of that same issue with respect to criminal immunity if, in fact, an individual claims that the use of force was required in self-defense under 3911-611, which is a statute which is couched underneath. We want to see an affirmative requirement for law enforcement to investigate that. The previous bill 
or the code section that this was under, said that if you could prove that you were innocent of a deal, you had a right to go seek your attorney's fees after you lost your job and your home and all that. Mm -hmm. And it was, of course, they didn't have any money in the first place, and they said you civilly, but it required that you prove yourself innocent, and that's almost impossible. So what we would like to do is, and I'd like to get your thoughts on, we'd like to see that law enforcement has to investigate if a claim of self-defense is put forth. What are your thoughts on that? I certainly don't know of a reason why that wouldn't be a good idea. You know, I'm, I'm going to hear from some law enforcement folks and our own DA just to know if there's a anything negative. I know our DA investigates every one of those, and that's that's good, but I don't know that they have to. But it would certainly put someone in a position. I mean, you think about it. How do you prove yourself innocent? You know, it's like proving a negative. Um, it's, it's hard to do. So uh, with the criteria that are already set out in law about how you prove somebody guilty, then that's already those rules are set. So that let's go through that. Let's do that instead of trying to have somebody in a position where they have to prove that they were innocent, and then that gets them civilly uh, from being liable. Uh, it, it would my the bill that I passed would come into effect there. That's correct. One of the things that we had tried to do with this was to make sure you didn't have to fight two battles exactly. on two different fronts and have two different attorneys, one criminal and one yeah. civil. You couldn't afford both attorneys, and so normally what would happen, the person would go ahead and he would plea down the criminal case mm-hmm. to something less than murder, say manslaughter, manslaughter or, or something like yeah. that. And But once you got convicted or you agreed mm-hmm. to that, then it was a presupposed deal. You were done. You were going to pay the civil award. And so we feel like it's necessary at this point. Law enforcement's going to have to take a look at it. They should, at that point, make a determination as to whether they're going to go ahead and prosecute that. And, and I think that if they determine that it was self-defense and we know exactly what that is because we have a code statute for that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's something that we're going to try to run. I don't know where our sponsor will be yet. We need to have conversations about that, but that's one of the things that we're going to be looking very, very seriously at this next year. I think it is. We've so, got it. This is, this is the missing piece that we yeah. really need, I think. Um, and it takes a lot of work ahead of time, you know, so, what the the bill you referred to a minute ago with the civil liability and civil immunity, we worked for months. I don't remember six yeah. months or more on that, and uh, and it it wasn't anything letting up. I mean, we we stayed on it. Um, again, go going to the, the committee chairman, knowing who that was going to be seen by, get his involvement in it. Um, so there's ways of going about things, and and you know early on whether it's going to be passed or not, or whether it's likely to be passed. So you get some buy into it, and we know the folks to get buy in with on this one. Well. Last year, when session was going on, we had a couple of amendments that were brought forward on the governor's bill, and they didn't have an opportunity to get heard. Uh, there were a couple of things where they said, well, they weren't timely filed, and they weren't this, and they weren't that, and, and sometimes I feel like there's a dodge in there, and I may be incorrect, but I don't think so, because I've watched this for a while. This concludes the first section of the interview with Representative Chris Todd. We will be back with more of this interview at a later time.